Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Today we've entitled this, There is Always a Bigger Love. And we're in a series we started called Perspective. It was some time ago, I'm going to guess at least a couple decades, that South Korea tried a different kind of a light system for intersections, so a stoplight. And so what they did is you have the normal, you know, we go the red, yellow, green colors here, and they have those colors, but on the red, they found that people were very impatient, like here, when is this red going to turn? So what they did is, you know, you have the center red, and then they put just red dots around to time so that you knew as these diminish, you're getting closer to when it's going to turn green. I think it's a brilliant idea. Do you know, that is something that would just kind of put everybody at ease. You don't have to watch the other lights. You know what I'm talking about? And wonder when it's going to turn yellow. And then, Does anybody do this? No, confession's good for the soul, folks. <clears throat> so that really worked. It was a good thing. So they'd watch these dots go around. China thought it was a pretty good thing, but they decided to do it with green. <laughs> Didn't work. Because then you could tell exactly when that's going to go and you got 100 meters to go and your foot's hitting the <laughs> gas pedal. In South Korea, it's an interesting thing. The accident rates went down significantly at these intersections where they had this. In China, they went up. Perspective, perspective, how we see things. Absolutely critical to emotional management, mental management, long-term anxiety issues, short-term anxiety issues. Perspective is literally the control center of your life how you see things. In fact, as a Christian, our whole perspective has been changed, for instance, about our existence, about purpose, about meaning, about our sin, about our possibilities, about our healing, about everything in our life. That's what Christian faith can do for us. It can shape your perspective, which controls all of these other mechanisms of life and brings about a true type of godliness within us, which is filled with peace. It's filled with joy. It's filled with love, patience, gentleness, meekness, goodness, temperance, and faith. Now, these are all very powerful words. And those words tie directly into emotional and relational management. Relational management is a huge deal because you can't manage beyond your own control. If you don't have a self-control in a certain area, you can't manage beyond where that lets go. Once self-control lets go, then what happens is that your management has changed in trying to control what comes next unless you decide to correct the perspective. The perspective. You know, one of the great things today is misunderstandings of love all the way across the border. Maybe we should say we just get one little shaft of light on love over here, but we miss the entire daylight 
We, we just don't quite get the comprehensiveness of this subject. But I want to start with that perspective statement. There is always, for you, a bigger love. There's always a bigger love. I'm going to look at five relationship musts for relational healthy perspective. Because if you get the right perspective, your relationships can rebound, they can heal, uh, they can get new starts, they can be just improved in the daily expression and experience of intimacy with people. And this is for all forms of relationships. So let's take a look at some musts. There are some musts in our life that are necessary for us to do well in this world. The first is to choose a perspective of being grateful for my people's circle. Gratefulness is a perspective. Grateful is a huge word. The person that understands the power of this word is a person that can, through just expression and focus on what they can be grateful for, can position things around them where that is beyond circumstances, that is beyond the challenges or the tests or the pain that you, that you are experiencing. And so gratefulness is powerful. So look at Paul. We're in Philippians again. We will be through this series on perspective. This is a book written in prison about joy. It is the perspective book of the Bible. It's an amazing uh, document, amazing letter that he wrote. And in part of that, he says in 1.3, every time I think of you, he's writing to the Philippian church, I give thanks to my God. Okay, now I want you to think about your people circle. Is that the first thought that comes into your mind in your people circle? You know, I just... I just give thanks for them. A gratitude that is chosen, that you can see clearly. This is a perspective shaper. This will get you in a better filter for uh, strength within relationships. So when you see the person in this circle that you might even be in a difficult season or moment with, if your only expression of inner view towards them is far from gratitude by what they need to do for you. What they didn't do for you. What they could have done for you. You are absolutely putting them into a place of devaluing, almost to a place of being demeaning towards them. Gratitude builds value in our own eyes, in our own heart towards people. And you say, but you know, maybe there's not a lot to be grateful for. Well, I think that you have to understand for every spectrum that you're gonna look at, whether it's looking at just them or you, you're gonna have a match to. And there might not be a lot for other people to actually just be grateful for you for. Gratefulness is a choice that we make to focus on certain things and not to focus on other things. You know, when you start thinking that uh, I'm really just not grateful for this hot dog I'm eating because I got the wrong kind of ketchup. You said that's silly. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely silly. 
But the perspective is shaped by gratefulness that's limited by a simple little detail that says it's not the right kitchen. In life, this is how we set perspectives or change them to healthier viewpoints. Paul says, every time I think of you, every time you think about these people in your circle, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your fellow Christian, your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your brother, your sister, He said, every time I think of you, it just goes to gratefulness. It was a choice that he was making. Another one, he says in Philippians 1.5, just two verses on, I thank God for the help you gave me. He was aware of their actions towards him and aware of their goodness towards him. He understood the value of the relationship that they had. And he's saying, I just thank God for how you helped me. Gratefulness is, allows you to retain the, the connected to the value that people have in your life. How many times have you heard stories or maybe you've gone through it yourself where it's, boy, you know, until I lost them, I didn't realize or until I nearly lost them. We had a family in the church this week, and I won't mention names, but we had a family in this church had quite a horrible accident on the road. Mom, dad, and child. God preserved them. They walked away from it. You know, at moments like that, it's where you think, wow, I am so grateful. because you're in touch with the value that you almost lost. Gratefulness is so powerful. Here's the discipline that's required. There's discipline that's required for these perspectives. Remember the best and forget the rest. That's tough. It can be. Remember the best, but forget the rest. Why you might be struggling with every time thinking in gratefulness to somebody is because your memory is carrying on its front-loaded file system nothing but the worst. So you are remembering the worst and forgetting the best. Until the wake-up call comes. And then all of a sudden we get it. He did it every day, every time. He had brought into his discipline to always do it through this particular way. I will remember the best and I will forget the rest. Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind. I press on. He had this within him. It was like, I'm not yet in yesterday determine my responses or my perspectives today and certainly not my perspectives of the future. I let it go, I move on. This is a powerful thing to do. The discipline is difficult. Remember the best. Remember the best times. Retain the best memories. When you look at somebody, don't cave in 
to the immediate circumstance that might not feel so good. Balance that out with your memory because you've chosen to remember the best. You say, but if I remember the best, there might not ever be any change. I'll tell you it's the only way there will be change. You remember the best and you forget the rest. Secondly, make prayers for the people in your life with a heart full of joy. This is another perspective tool. It's, it's so amazingly powerful. Prayer is far more often than I think we are really aware of, of what it is accomplishing, both in what we are praying for, but within us as we pray. And here he says again, Philippians 1.4, I always pray for you. And I make my requests with a heart full of joy. Happiness is tied to happenings. They have a, a limit. Uh, whatever's happenings there, you go on a trip, you come back, you have some happiness when you're on the trip, maybe, maybe not, but let's assume you do. And you come back and then you realize that you're getting a bill in about two weeks. Reality settles in. You leave the, that behind. And, and you, you begin to recognize that happiness is pretty circumstantial. Please be happy. But you need to learn how to create those kinds of deeper forms of connection to happiness, which are always going to come out of your perspective of the people around you. And if your perspective is shaped, I always pray for you. Oftentimes we don't always pray. Instead, we react to people. They're giving us a hard time. Um, they're rejecting moving away or they're just not responding the way that I would hope. We're having a bad day. We're, we're, we're going through some things. Our first response is usually complaining, not praying. That's why we got them under, these are disciplines. But can you imagine in that moment if you took it to prayer and you said, you know, right now, Lord, I'm praying for this person. And you don't even know how to pray because some of you would probably pray this way. Lord, would you just smite them like a Philistine? Just <laughs> Sometimes we're praying against God's will, right? But if we were to turn our thoughts about them and the negative experience we're having with them into prayers... So in light of that, what I have put together for you is a prayer sheet that is in your bullets and that I want you to take and put it on your fridge, put some scotch tape on it, stick it somewhere, keep it in front of you, put it by your bedside. And I have given you different ways that you can pray for people in your life. For instance, it's all within Philippians 1, 9 and 11, all within those scriptures. And those scriptures say this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let me give you the four things quick. You can pray that we'll grow in love. It says that your love will grow more and more. You can pray, Lord, grow them in love. 
let this be a, a time of our life where they grow in love. I pray for them. You say, well, I've told them. <laughs> telling in prayer is two different things. One, you're telling them. The other, you're talking to God and leaving it to God. Pray. God, grow them in love. Pray for your children, by the way. These are four great things. Pray for your children. <clears throat> God, I pray that they'll grow in love. They need to grow in love. There's a scripture with that that says that your love will grow more and more. Pray that they will make wise choices. <coughs> Verse 9 and 10, it says that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Pray that. You say, but this, this fellow worker is praying that they will make the right choices. I'm praying, Lord, that they will make the right choices. Pray that they would live with integrity. Next scripture says that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. Lord, I pray for my kids that they'll learn to live in integrity, that they will understand the value of truth and love, that they will understand the value of respect and service, that they will understand the value of healthy communication and control of words and actions and self-control. I pray, Lord, that they will live with integrity. And then finally, pray that they'll become like Jesus. That you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is the fruit of righteousness? Right on the bottom of the prayer form I've given you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You pray, Lord, I want them to become like Jesus. I pray that they'll become like Jesus. Can you imagine every day if that was the first recall when your kid was giving you a problem? You're turning it to prayer. And this isn't just little kids, is it? It's grown up kids, it's extended family, it's people in your work world, it's people that are next door to you. God, I pray. That would be three great words to start off every recollection. God, I pray. And then pray these four things over and over again for the people that you walk with in life on a daily basis. And you will find your perspective start to change. And it's not just doing an exercise. He said, I make prayers for the people in your life with a heart full of joy. I make my requests with a heart full of joy. You can have joy when God is involved in the picture. You really can't have joy unless God is involved in the picture. You have forms of happiness. But joy is something spiritual. It's a condition. It comes from the righteousness or the nature of Jesus. So the nature of Jesus, when you pray in tune with the nature of Jesus, now joy can be a part of that prayer. Everything in you wants to respond in a reaction and come back at people in the different things of life. And I want to say to you that that's only going to deepen cycles. It's going to increase destruction. The discipline required for this is quickness. You have to be quick on the draw on this one. Otherwise, the complaining takes over really quick. And then you have to run through all of that full file. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're too exhausted to pray for them. Quickness. Start praying now. 
This is the way you change your perspective on a bad relationship to a good one. Relationships are controlled by your perspective. Here's part of the problem with perspective. Relation with, within long-term relationships, they can get to a point where they seem boring. They get to a point where there is no more, you know, kind of adventure it seems left or, or horizons to be walked into or mountains to be climbed and enjoyed. And it can get to the point like that. And I'll tell you what the number one problem is, is perspective. And the first two things that we've talked about need to be brought back into practice, which is simply being grateful. Imagine that in a, I just read an article on a couple, I think Linda, they, you'd have to grip, I think one was 100 and one was 101. Am I correct? Or turning 100 right away, right? Christians. And there, it was an amazing article. I don't know if anybody else read it. What an amazing article it was. Here they are, lifelong love, built all this, and they weren't bored with each other. So I've instructed Linda <laughs> to read that article once a day. <laughs> Hi, honey, it's just, don't complain, pray. Third thing, expect the best from people in your life. You know your perspective is totally gone and off and trash and controlled by the wrong things when all you expect is the worst. You know that you've let your perspective be controlled by outside rather than inside. You now know this isn't a fruit of the spirit that's controlling this. Now we have just response and reaction from the circumstances that come at work, neighborhood, friends, driving, kids, life. You must learn the power of expecting the best. This isn't fluff. This is targeting. This is basis of goal setting, of going forward. This is the basis of getting things done. This is what Jesus talked about when he said, look, I'm giving one of you one and I'm giving the next one two and I'm giving the next one five. Go and do something with what I've given you. Go and invest. Expect the best. Let's go. Expecting the best is a positional thing when it comes to encouragement of other people. If you are somebody that can expect the best of the people in your people groups, you are going to be the encourager in that group. You're going to be one, they just want to hear your words. They, they, they want to be in your presence. They want you around. I'm telling you, simply because you're encouraging. You're not taking over. You're not driving. You're just expecting the best. You're challenging them forward. And that is a great form of encouragement. It's kind of like with parents, you know. If you're out there and you're, a, I would say, a healthy parent and you're watching your kid in some track meet somewhere and he's running as hard as he can run or she's running as hard as she can run and, and, uh, and, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you know, she trips, she falls. If you're embarrassed by the failures, then you shrink back. I was at my grandson's soccer game last uh, <clears throat> Sunday evening. 
And so I was, uh, we, Linda and I are sitting in the stands up there watching a soccer game. And, and uh, boy, they're getting better. It's really good. And as, as they're playing, and they're on the field uh, out there. And Linda and I are up there. And he sees us. And all of a sudden, he's doing this. I think he was saying, I finally surrender. I finally surrender. No. He was just, and so like at first, I, oh, that's interesting. And so I went and did this after a bit of hesitation, like, okay, that's quite expressive if you know my grandson. And uh, I didn't stand up on the thing and go. But if I had to redo I would. I missed a moment. I didn't miss it totally. I, I did the one hand, you know, sort of like when you praise God, you give one hand, you give two hands, you give whatever. <laughs> one hander. See, if your kid's running that track meet and they fall down, you want to test if whether you have the right perspective and you can bring the best, expect the best out of your children. That's not when you back off or get embarrassed. That's when you get up and you say, get up, you can do this. Come on, keep going. That's expecting the best. I'm not, I'm not going to expect, oh, you poor thing, you fell, now you're last. Expect the best. What's the best? They fell. What's the best thing that can happen? Get up. Next, run. Finish it. Finish it. Come on. This one. So he scored two goals last Sunday night and got two assists. No, I thought he only got one. So here we are after the game. And I said, oh, Isaac, I kept track. You got two goals and you got one assist. And he said, two assists. (laughs) And he got the game ball for his team. So next time, if you see me in the stands while I had a soccer game doing this, you know exactly what's going on, all right? (laughs) Expect the best. I'm confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Oh man, that's encouraging. I am so confident that God in you is going to finish his work in you. Like, I'm so confident about this. Be encouraged, be encouraged. The discipline required, this is so critical. Celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they still have to go. Do you see the value of that? Do you see the value of that even to yourself? There's a time when David had to speak to his own soul and say, oh soul, bless the Lord. How far have you come? That's what you celebrate. Not how far you have to go and the other person If you want to expect the best, then you celebrate how far they've come and don't move into judgment how far they still have to go. We all have different starting points, different dynamics, different things all around us, and God is in that journey. And Paul is saying, I am confident. He's going to keep working in you and he's going to carry it on to completion until you finish this race. Philippians 1.7, he said, 
it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. I expect the best. I expect you're going to fall. I expect you're going to get up. And I expect you're going to finish. I expect that God's going to finish what he's doing in your life. You say you don't know how bad life is right now. I just know how good God is, folks. Because I know how good he is, I know that he's going to keep working. He's going to bring you through. You just have to keep expecting the best. And I'm going to keep expecting the best of you. So people in the circles... This is a discipline. If you apply it, it controls your perspective. Now you're not looking at their failures and, and determining where they haven't got. You're celebrating where they are and what they've got, and you're now encouraging them into the main, the main move forward for the next day and the next week. Number four. Love the Lord or love the people in my life like Jesus loved me. God is my witness that I tell the truth when I say that my deep love for you all comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. He's saying, first off, he's saying, I have deep love for you. You know, I've had the privilege of being in this church a long time. I've watched generations come and go. We just had one of our staff's daughters just return. She flew back yesterday. And she lives across the country in Newfoundland. And, and she came and, and uh, I was in a bit of a meeting and then um, the door was open so she had poked her head in and, uh, and, and, and without much hesitation, here she is moving down in and we just had to have a hug. We don't get to see her very often. But I had the privilege of journeying with her in a portion of her life. And I hope that she has felt an encouragement from me that, yeah, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. You're going to recover. You're going to heal. You're going to rebuild. And when you get the privilege of walking not just with a person but with generations, it's really a high privilege. And if you are a person of love, you can love the people in your life like Jesus loves you as long as you're in touch with how deeply Jesus loves you. And your love for others comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. You say, I can't love him anymore. You know what you got wrong in that statement? You never were able to really love him like love will demand. You have to become one that can. I can't love her. The love I have for you comes from the very heart of Jesus himself. I get it. He loves me in the depths of my failures, my history. And he is someone that doesn't run out of love. When you start saying, I can't love I won't love. Do you understand you're disconnecting yourself from the heart of Christ? You're disconnecting yourself from him's coming, his cross, his call in your life. 
Rather, love the people around you like Jesus loves you. And how does Jesus love you? That's number five. As a follower of Jesus, you will never run short on love. Never, not going to happen. Can't happen. Never going to run out of it. There's a great scripture, it's found in Romans 8, 35 to 39, message version. Listen to it as we read it together. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one, Paul is talking. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, Jesus our master, has embraced us. You can't escape his love. We try, we push back. There's times that being loved is the biggest challenge in life to allow that to happen. To allow him to love us, to allow others to love us, but maybe our record doesn't look so good. Or... But I'm telling you there is nothing as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ that can separate you from the love that was shed abroad in him to you. So let's just walk that through then in your relationship circles and finish on this. What's the quality of love that you're offering? Because you have a tank that will constantly move up, down. It will empty right out. You'll get a little fill. You'll, you'll try and maintain that. And every time you get that, you're going to downward cycle. There's a little bit of up, a little bit of up, and more down than up, and more down than up, and more down than up. And then relationships are going to end up for you at the base of what you have as love. That's why some people get stuck in the romance curve. When the romance part of the relationship is not functioning or heated or at the passion level needed for long enough, then we start moving away from love. Because that is our one slice, our one ray out of a sunlit day. Love is found by being loved. You have been loved by God. Christ has come and brought his love personally into your life, which positions you to do things like being grateful for, for your people circle. Who's in it? To think of them differently rather than what they didn't do for you or what they should have done for you, or what they could have done for you. 
No, instead it's now, I'm just grateful for them. Every time I think of them, I'm just grateful that, that they are in my people circle. I'm going to remember the best. And I'm going to forget the rest. And I'm going to make prayers for people. Instead of complain, I'm going to with joy jump into prayer for them because they're in my people circle. And they're going to matter more than me than what they are doing now or failing at or, or not achieving. I'm not going to measure it that way. It's going to be with a heart of joy. I'm going to make prayers for them. I'm going to pray for them in the ways that we've talked earlier. And I'm going to do it quickly now. I'm not going to wait till they make change to pray for them. How crazy is that? Prayer can actually change things. A positive attitude, huge limitation. Positive attitude is only going to get you as far as the door, not through it. Because it doesn't change the other person. Prayer changes the person and you. Both get changed. That's prayer. I'm going to expect the best. I know that that I've given a lot of excuses and blame why I'm allowed to complain about people in my circle. But I am going to expect the best. Because the fact is, is that I believe that God is working in them the same way he's working in me. And if I trust that and I pray for that, I'm going to expect the best. I'm going to be their best cheerleader. I'm going to encourage. I'm not going to try to always manipulate or bring them into you must act this way, do this, or... I'm just going to give up that game. And I'm going to celebrate how far they've come rather than how far they have to go. Go clean your room. Here's what I know when you tell your kid to do that. Depending on their age, but pretty much all the way through. And uh, wives, when you say that to husbands, it's going to be the same issue. Go clean your room. So they go and they clean the room. Here's what I do know. That after they're done cleaning, if you go in there, you're going to find something that got missed. Guaranteed. Oh, you missed it under the bed over here. Look at this cobweb. Look at grandma's hair still here from a year ago. <laughs> you can always find it. Why? Or you walk in and you say, hmm, well, made the bed. Pillows even fluffed. That's a new one. 90% of the clothes are picked up off the floor. I can see the floor. This room's been straightened up. Good attempt. And then I can jump into, but... And do you know what you teach them? To do the same thing to themselves and to everything else in their life. You can always find grandma's hair. You can always find the cobwebs. You can always find that which didn't get done. 
celebrate how far they've come. You know, you did a really quite a good job here. This is actually a big improvement. And walk out and don't look under the bed too close. Because it's celebrate how far they've come. Not judging how far they still have to go. Love the people in my life like Jesus loves me. This is such a great finish for you here today. Nothing can separate you from him. Jesus Christ, if you've received him as your savior, there is nothing in your life that can ever, ever distance you from his love. Can't cut you off. Nothing. He goes into spiritual realms, angels, demons, they can't do it. Nobody can do it. Trials, tribulations, can't do it. His love is still there. Your failures, not going to do it. That's how well you are loved. But that's your marker. I've been loved so I can love. If that's the case, then you are in a place where God can really do some amazing things. Let me read to you a scripture. How many know John 3.16? You know John 3.16? Let me start it. For God so that he, that whoever should not but have. Okay, you ready for one more? This is the match to that, but it brings in one more commodity. Not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16. And it says some pretty amazing truth. New Living Translation. We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. When you know how well you're loved, that he gave his life, don't be stingy in giving yours. So become their cheerleader, become the one that is practicing some fruit of God's presence and spirit in your life, that is releasing the quality of love because there's always a greater love for you to move into. Work the disciplines we've talked about and your love will grow. You've got lots of room to grow in love. And if this is about marriage, you will grow in love so that when you get to the end of your days, you're not bored. Because you've chosen to remember the good stuff. Let go of that which wasn't. Forget it. And you've been able to build a love that you were just happy and grateful to have the days you got going on right now. Because they're magic. Stand with me, please. 
You're such a great group of people. You listen so intently. And I can almost just feel your hearts grabbing on the stuff and pulling it in at times. Love is a very practical word. It's pragmatic. It is not a gushy word. It's pragmatism. It's the most pragmatic word in the entire, well, not just English language, any language. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul gives us the best kind of maybe perspective on what love is and he goes through a whole lot of things. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous or rude. It's not. All of these things only fall in the character quality. More or less, love is what you want to become. You say, no, no, I want to love. No, no, you want to become love. It shows up in all these practical areas. Father, thank you for these folks. Thank you for, Lord, the love and the circles that they've got. Thank you, Lord, that they're like me. And in all those circles, there is a need for us to grow and have bigger loves. And Lord, you've given us the ability to live and love bigger. I pray, Lord God, that you will have them latch onto something from this morning, one of these uh, points, and there will be some change in the perspective on their love will grow into a healthier, celebratory place. Because, Lord, we are truly blessed. And I pray that out of that will come an amazing increase of love expressed in their lives. Thank you, Jesus, for the way you love us. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, he loves you. You just say, Jesus, I need your love. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Fill me with the kind of love that only comes from you and teach me how to become love like you. And for us that are believers, Lord, I need to change my perspectives. Help me to grow in the area that you've touched today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.